Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 11 tonight. Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11, and I'll read that for us. Hear now the Word of God. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Let's pray. Father, we ask for Your help now. Um, We want to hear from You as we consider this text. And we acknowledge there are so many things that cloud our understanding. And I pray that You would clear those things away by the power of Your Holy Spirit. pray for Jessica now, that You clear her lungs, uh, that whatever the current issue is, it would not be a complicating one, but she would be... um, restored uh, to good health, um, even as we are talking tonight. And uh, again, would you help us to hear your word? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Branford Marsalis is a great jazz saxophonist. You might have heard of his more famous brother, Winton, and uh, who plays the trumpet. And Branford was being interviewed a few years ago, and I heard this interview, and part of his... Part of what he does is not only perform, but to teach. And he's a great, well-known, sought-out teacher of the saxophone. And uh, the interviewer was asking him about his experience as a teacher. And he said, tell me about this new generation of jazz musicians. And Bradford responded by saying, students these days aren't worth, and you can fill in the expletive. (laughs) And uh, the interviewer was taken aback and and said, well, why do you say that? And he says, listen, students today, they want to party all week and then come into their lesson and be told that they're a musical genius. They want it to be easy. They want the path to excellence to be easy. And I think sometimes that's the way we approach Jesus. We approach discipleship. We approach spirituality, faith. We would like it to be easy. And if that's your perspective, I have bad news for you. (laughs) 
If you follow Jesus, He will always take you to the desert. It's a pattern in how God works in people and through people and with people. He takes them to the wilderness. He takes them to this place of hunger, of thirst, of instability, of insecurity, of pain and doubt. He does it with Moses. He does it with the nation of Israel. He does it with David. He does it with Elijah. And of course, he does it with Jesus here in Matthew chapter 4. And it's not just about the physical location of the wilderness. It is the experience of deprivation. It's the experience of losing all of those normal resources that give us security. That help us have that feeling of stability. Jesus will take you to the place where those things are gone. It's not just an experience of the past, it's an experience of the present, the language of this chapter that's connected to the wilderness, the language of tempting, testing, is sprinkled throughout the New Testament to describe the experience, the ongoing experiences of Christians as individuals and as communities. Some of you know it. Some of you know it right now. You know that experience of of doubt, of instability of questions of pain and if you don't know it now you will know it it is an inevitable part of the christian experience we'll deal with it as individuals we will deal with it as a community and part of my calling as a pastor is to prepare us as a community for those times those times in the desert now (laughs) that's a hard thing to say (laughs) and it's a hard thing to hear um, because I would love to just stop with the end of Matthew chapter 3. You remember from last week, Jesus is baptized, the heavens open, the Spirit flutters down as a dove, God's voice says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is the one who will make everything right. I wish I could stop there. But the same Spirit who comes down as a dove takes Jesus to the desert, doesn't He? And although it is true that Jesus will make everything right and is making everything right, that is true, but it is not immediate. The desert is still how God works. The wilderness is still part of our experience of faith of following Jesus. So what do we do with that? How do we live with the reality of the wilderness? Well, we need to observe Jesus here in Matthew chapter 4. And as we do that, I think Jesus will teach us uh, to do two things in response to the experience of the wilderness. He will teach us to understand God's purpose for the desert. And He will teach us to rely on God's resources for the desert. First of all, understanding God's purpose for these times of wilderness, uh, these times of loss and pain. The Spirit leads Jesus out into the desert, and Matthew tells us that He does it for a purpose. He He says He leads Him out there to be tempted by the devil. 
Uh, by the way, catch there, the wilderness is not the devil's. He's not in control, right? It is the Spirit who is leading Jesus out to this place of temptation. And the word temptation, we usually think of that word as, as like, I'm on a diet and someone uh, puts a hot chocolate cake right in front of me and I'm starving, right? That's temptation. Um, but the word temptation here is more the idea of testing. Of, it's the idea of training. The wilderness is a boot camp. It is a place where God teaches and trains His people. Um, so in the Old Testament, when He takes Israel out into the desert, He is training them for life in this promised land that He is going uh, to give to them. It is a place of preparation, of testing. But testing in what? If it's a place of training, what are we being trained for? Well, we have to consider these three interactions between Jesus and Satan. And uh, these temptations and how Jesus responds to them. Uh, The devil wants Jesus to do three things. He wants him to turn stone into bread. He wants him to prove that God will protect him by jumping off a tall building. And he wants to give him a throne. He wants to give him rulership over all the nations, all the glory and riches of the nations of the world. It's kind of an odd collection of temptations, isn't it? But Jesus, as he responds to these, shows us what the purpose of these testings are. And he responds from from the book of Deuteronomy. He responds from Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 8. And in this section of Deuteronomy, Moses is talking to the people of God. And he's reflecting on their experiences in the wilderness. He's remembering how God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. And he is helping them to learn the lesson of the desert. He is helping them to understand what God has tried to teach them as they enter into this new home that God is giving to them. And the section starts with the one greatest lesson. The most important lesson that God has for His people. And that is that they love Him with all their heart, soul, and might. That's what the desert is for. It is to train us in love. It is to train us in love particularly expressed by trust. So think about how Jesus uses these quotations from Deuteronomy. The first one, you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is in a context where Moses is reminding Israel how God had sent them manna in the wilderness. He had rained bread from heaven. And he's saying, God did this so that you would understand that your sustenance does not ultimately come from your ability to cultivate barley and make bread. It comes from the words of God. So trust And then in the second temptation, he's taken to the temple. And Jesus responds, you are not to test God. This is from Deuteronomy 6. Moses is talking about the experience at a place called Massah. And what happened here, and you can read about it in Exodus 17, um, is the people were out in the desert. They had come out of Egypt. And there was no water. And they start to get thirsty. And they say, where is the water? And they, they grumble, they complain, and their 
grumbling and complaining gets more and more intense until they finally say, Is the Lord among us? There's no water. Is God really here? And Moses says to them, Do not test the Lord your God. And it's interesting, the temple, the meaning of the temple is God is here. It is God's dwelling place with His people. And so the devil takes Jesus there and says, Prove that God is here. And Jesus says, No, I trust that what He has said is true. That He is here. And then the final temptation where Satan offers Jesus a throne and he responds with, you shall only, you're only supposed to worship God. And this is, again, from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Moses is saying, you're going to come into, the Israel's going to come into this place and there are all these other nations who worship all these other gods. And God has given Israel a job to do, to go in to take this land and to worship God alone. And so, Moses is saying to the people of God, God is saying to His people, do you trust my plan? Do you trust the job that I have given to you? Or will you look to all these other gods for help? Do you trust me? So Jesus, by His example, shows us that the desert is a place where we are trained to love. Our struggles and difficulties, our questions and doubts, our pain is there to train us for love. To train us to love God by trusting Him. How many romantic movies and stories have a moment in them where the lovers look into each other's eyes and one says to the other, Do you trust me? That's what God is doing in His romance with His people when He takes them into the desert. Is he looks at them and He says, Do you trust me? Now, I have to be careful with that example because it makes your pain seem trite. Because it's somehow romantic. Right? It diminishes the pain that you experience in the wilderness. And that's not what I want to do. It's not what this text does. It's not what Scripture does. Understanding the purpose of the desert, that it is to train us to love, does not take away our pain. It keeps us from trying to escape our pain and God's purpose in it. You see, my first impulse when I experience the desert is to run the other way as quickly as I can. And that's how we tend to approach faith and spirituality, whether it's Christian or not. In our culture, there's a tendency to think to be looking for a formula, right? To be looking for something that I can punch in the numbers, I can follow the rituals, I can do these practices, and pain will be taken from my life. If I get into this right relationship with God and do the right things, then I will not experience struggle. It's part of a larger goal of trying to program pain and discomfort out of our lives. Doesn't that characterize our modern world? And the truth 
of the desert and God's purpose there says no. Pain does have a place. God has a purpose. He has a work to do in your life through your pain. And again, that doesn't make the pain easy. It just helps us not to try to escape. So how do you respond to the pain in your life? How do you respond to the doubt in your life? Do you run or do you run to God in it? Do you run away from it or do you run to God in it? Now, to do that, to run to God in that experience of the wilderness, we can't just understand the purpose of the desert We have to rely on God's resources for the desert, God's resources for the wilderness. And we see here that Jesus survives the wilderness with Scripture. He quotes from the Bible, but we have to understand that this isn't just about memorizing and quoting Bible verses. Okay, There's not some sort of magical formula of if I can... Memorize these verses, and when I'm struggling, quote them to the devil, then all will be well. Because Satan quotes Scripture as well. He quotes from Psalm 91 in the second temptation. So he uses the Bible as well, so this isn't about some extra elite Bible drill in responding to the desert. No, what Jesus does as he uses these verses from Deuteronomy is he connects to identity. He connects to what God has said about His people. He connects to what God has said about Jesus and what God has said about us who are in Jesus. And we see this particularly not just in what Jesus said, but in what Satan says. You notice the first two temptations start the same way. If you are the Son of of God. And in the third temptation, he doesn't use those words, but he touches on the vocation of the Son of God. The Son of God was supposed to rule over the nations. And so Satan is coming and he is questioning Jesus' identity as the Son of God. Now remember how chapter 3 ends. What happens at the end of the chapter 3? God speaks, right? And what does God say? You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So you see what Satan is doing? is He is attacking God's definition of His people and God's definition of Jesus. And he is saying, if you are the Son, if you are the Son, here, let me help you be the Son in my way instead of in God's way. He is questioning Jesus' identity. And as Jesus responds with these verses from Deuteronomy, Jesus is saying, no, I am the Son. No, I am the Son. I am beloved of God, so therefore I will trust Him. I am beloved of God, so therefore I will not test Him. I am beloved of God, so therefore I will follow His plan which is that I will rule over the nations uh, not through worshiping Satan, but through going to the cross. And as Jesus quotes from 
Deuteronomy 6 and 8, he reminds us of Deuteronomy 1 to 4, where Moses tells the stories of God's faithfulness, of God's love, of God's words of assurance to his people. So, the purpose of the wilderness is to train our love for God. The resource for the wilderness is God's love for us. You are my beloved Son. And we know that love not just through words on a page, but through the One who here took those words on His lips. The One who is the embodiment of the Word of God. Jesus didn't just teach us about the desert. He went there on our behalf. And that's how we know the love of God for us. Matthew reminds us of Israel's experience in the desert by connecting numbers. Israel was in the desert 40 years. Jesus is in the desert 40 days and 40 nights. And he's saying, look, Jesus is going and succeeding where His people failed. And Jesus doesn't just go to the desert here in Matthew 4, but throughout His life and ultimately to the cross where He dealt with the greatest deprivation. And the religious leaders of the day echoed Satan. We'll read this at the end of Matthew. And they say to Him, If you were the Son of God, you would come down from the cross. But Jesus because of His confidence in His Father's Word of love, stays. And here in this chapter, Jesus' confidence in His Father is vindicated at the end of the story because the angels come and minister to Him, right? But Jesus' confidence is ultimately vindicated at the end of the Gospel when the angels sit at an empty tomb. And the empty tomb says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That is how we know the love of God. And knowing the love of God is what enables us to survive the wilderness. It's what enables us to run to God in our pain rather than running away from our pain. It is because He has spoken His love to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is how we persevere in the desert. When we lived in Malawi, um, a lot of times on Sunday I would go out to churches in the area. And I would preach, or I'd go with those who were preaching, and we'd do ministry uh, in the churches all around um, where we were. And of course, Malawi is very hot, um, and during much of the year, a very dry place. And um, inevitably, I would forget to bring water with me. And we'd get to the end of the service, and I would have a raging thirst. And as was custom, the pastor of the church or the elders of the church would always have us over to someone's home and would feed us a meal. And they would offer us water. The problem is, um, because of my weak American stomach, uh, if I drank that water, it wouldn't help my thirst. It would only make me thirstier. 
And, and so I faced this dilemma is I had this raging thirst, but the water in front of me would only make me thirstier. And all I had to do was wait for the long drive home so I could finally get some filtered American water that would sit well with my stomach and quench my thirst. That is the problem of the desert. That's the problem of the wilderness for us, particularly in our context. Because when we face doubt, when we face pain, there are so many ways to try and quench our thirst. We can go to entertainment, uh, we can go to food, we can go to drink, uh, we can go to success, we can go to relationships. But all of those are water, waters that will just make you thirstier. The only way to persevere in the desert, in our pain, in our doubt, is to rely on the word that God has given to us. That He has given us a greater, lasting, eternal water in His Son, Jesus Christ. Every great musician like Branford Marsalis knows that no one reaches musical maturity uh, without the practice room. In the same way, we will never reach maturity in Christ without the practice room of the desert, without the practice room of pain and doubt. That is where God does His work. It is where Jesus will take you. It's where He'll take us. And the question is, will you follow Jesus there? Trusting in God's purpose for that experience and relying on His love expressed to you through Jesus Christ in that experience. Let's pray.